Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. It seems like the last month and a half, the Lord's had having me do some things that are kind of out of my normal routine here with uh, the messages and stuff. And so tonight is going to be probably a little bit of a shorter message than, than we've had in a while. And don't anybody get a big old grin on your face and start amening me on that one. But it'll be a little bit shorter than um, than we normally have it. But tonight, I really felt a burden as I was getting ready this week. I was kind of wrestling with it and struggling with it a little bit. I kind of, um, after landing on it and kind of diving into my study and things this week, I really feel like tonight's message is supposed to be an encouragement for three groups of people tonight. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. So um, the, the title of the message tonight, you can see the top of your notes is remember the Lord, remember the Lord. So we're going to talk tonight. Typically our, our main focus tonight is going to be around David and King David in the old Testament. And, uh, he was the King that was anointed by the prophet. He was the, 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 the child that was left out of the, you know, of his 11 brothers, they were all brought him uh, in, in front of the prophet. And they said, Hey, you know, which one of these is going to be the king? None of them. And they went and found David out as the shepherd as a little shepherd boy in the field. And he was the one that was anointed to be king. And then as soon as he went to be king, went right back out to the field and continued his shepherding duties. And so um, tonight, um, uh, we're going to, our, our message is kind of focused around him. Now, typically, David is given credit for writing the biblical book of Psalms. And I would say that is mostly true, but not fully true. And here's what I mean. The book of Psalms is a, is a culmination or is a, it's basically a catalog, a grouping of 150 different songs, psalms, and poems that were written um, across a large span of time. Now, David's no slouch. He wrote at least half of these, 75 to 80 of them, depending on, upon which biblical scholar or historian you kind of read and do some research on. He's credited with just over half of them. And so as someone who is involved in music and wrote a bunch of songs uh, for years and years and years, this is a, a wildly, excuse me, a wildly difficult thing to do. So uh, 75 songs him cranking these things out, melodies and everything. He's even got instructions on some of them. You sing this with a stringed instrument. You sing this with a harp. You sing this with just voices. You know, he's got instructions about how they're supposed to be presented all throughout the Psalms. So he's written probably 75 to 80 of these, about 50%. And tonight, I don't want to focus on his songwriting so much or his ability to crank out a high volume of, you know, a high volume of, um, of songs or poems or, or psalms. What I want to focus on is a specific special attribute that David shows throughout his writings in the psalms. And the, and the first line of your notes, and this is what I really want to focus on tonight, is this, David has an open and honest relationship with God. David has an open and honest relationship with God. I would like to present to you tonight that if you don't have an open and honest relationship with the person you think you have a relationship with, you probably don't have a real relationship with them at all. This is 
true with God, but it's also true in, in other relationships, friends, spouses. If you can't be open and honest, you can't be transparent. If you can't peel it back and say what's really going on, then you probably don't have a very real relationship. David's relationship with God is real. He is the most real relationship, the most raw content that we can find in scripture. And we find this because he wrote his emotions, his feelings, his thoughts, his, his real and honest um, perspective. He wrote them down in Psalms. And I want to take a look at a couple of the ways that David was open and honest with God. And I want us to look at that and challenge us to say, are we doing the same thing? Do we have this type of real, open, honest, transparent relationship with God? Are we telling him what's really going on? Or are we trying to figure it out before we get in there and think, oh, well, if I say that I have a problem, God's going to look at me like, well, you should have figured this out already. And that is the attitude of most of our culture. But let's look real quick at four ways that David has this open and honest relationship with God. Number one in your notes, David asks real questions. <clears throat> David asks real questions. Now, if you are a uh, person who grew up in a very religious denomination or in church, or, you know, they were, you know, um, um, they were very uh, bent on the rules and following the rules like I was down in the good old southern United States, southeastern United States. If you grew up like that, um, when if you had a question about something that came up in the service that day and you asked the pastor, it was it was not allowed. It was because I was not asking a question. I was challenging what he was saying. And that's not what I was doing. I just didn't get it. I didn't understand. I had a question. And so I was trained very early. And many people in church are trained not to ask the question. And many people in our culture are trained not to ask a question. Why? Because it makes me look stupid. If you were here in the very early stages of Roots Community Church, you'll, you'll, remind, uh, you'll probably uh, remind that I've said this many times. And if you're not, if you weren't there way back in the day, no problem. I want to remind you a tool that we employ here at RCC. We ask the question, what does that mean? If you heard something from the pulpit, you heard a scripture, you heard a passage and didn't quite, quite land with you. It doesn't really sync up like a puzzle piece didn't really lock together for you. You still got a question. By all means, please come and ask it. This is not an admission that you're an idiot, that you're dumb. You don't understand things. It's that a way that it was communicated did not register with you. And that's totally fine. No one, the, the teacher hasn't taught unless the student has learned. And so we have to be open for questions. Do not feel that if you ever ask, hey, what does that mean in any context, but especially here, that you're going to be looked down upon. It's not going to happen, okay? But David exampled this characteristic. He asks real questions. Let's look at some of the questions that he asks and how raw he is with his relationship with God. Psalms 11, 1 through 3. I'll read it out loud for us. I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountains for safety? The wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows with, on the bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those who are, whose heart are right. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? Now, as I read this passage, I thought, man, 
Anybody ever felt like this about our current culture? The foundations of law and order have collapsed. I feel like they're on the attack as someone who has a righteous heart, a, a person who is trying, not a, not a perfect heart, but they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to live in a way that's honoring to God. They're trying to follow the, the teachings of Christ and teach them to their family. And the longer it goes, the more adversarial we find that there are, uh, that there are adversarial attitudes against what we believe. What can the righteous do? He goes right to God. He doesn't go to his friend. He doesn't go to one of his, well, he had a whole bunch of wives. It was one of his many mistakes, but he didn't go to one of them. He didn't go to anybody else and be like, what can we do? He went right to God and said, hey, man, this thing is falling apart. What can we do? I feel like I have to, I've been told by my advisors, I got to run out and hide. I'm over here trusting you. Why do I have to go hide? Why is this happening in this way? Why is one of my sons raising up against me to kill me, Absalom, later on in his life? Why, why does he have to watch his son fall apart and eventually be killed so he can go back out of hiding in caves? Why does he have to deal with all this stuff with Saul? And if you go through the Psalms, you see him ask these questions. This is just one example. He asks real questions. It's one of the ways he's open and honest with God. The second way he examples this in the second line of your notes is David expresses disappointment. He expresses disappointment. My old churchy mind would never do this with God. I'm not supposed to take my disappointments to God. But David, he does this. Psalms 12, one through four. Help me, O Lord, for the godly are fast disappearing. The faithful have vanished from the earth. Neighbors lie to each other, speaking with flattering lips and deceitful hearts. May the Lord cut off their flattering lips and silence their boastful tongues. They say, we will lie to our heart's content. <coughs> Excuse me. Our lips are our own. Who can stop us? He is not living in the United States, which we would kind of consider a pluralistic society because all of us heritage-wise are descending from other places, some other nation. He's not living in that culture. He's living in a culture where everyone is the same. They're all from, they're all Jewish people. And he's looking around and he's, and he's looking at their attitude and their response to God. And he's saying, this is not good. Not only do I have people who are from pagan nations, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's chosen people. They're sitting here and David is, is recognizing that the people who are following him that are acting in the way that God has lined out for them, they're disappearing. They're vanishing from the earth. The people are lying to each other and they're not only lying, they're becoming bold and they're lying. And he watches this and his heart is growing heavy with disappointment. And what does he do? He goes back to God and expresses his disappointment. The third way that he examples this open and honest type of relationship is found in uh, is number three notes. David's transparent about his fear. He's transparent about his fear. Psalms 13, one through four. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Anybody ever felt like that? Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? 
How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle in anguish in my soul with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord, my God. Restore the sparkle to my eye or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. He kind of mixes his real questions with real fears because he is fearing for his life. He's fearing that there's not going to be a long period of time left in his reign. He's fearing that there's that he's, his level of influence is diminishing here in, in the kingdom. He's, he's afraid of the people who are raising up against him. He's, he's expressing this fear, and instead of housing it here and taking the approach, I'm going to deal with it on my own, he says... I'm going to be open and honest and very raw and very real. And I'm going to go take these fears to God. There's some of us, when we talk about asking God real questions, expressing disappointment, being transparent about your fear, when you go to God in prayer, there are, there's some of you in this room who go, is that what I'm supposed to do? There's some people in this room who, who it makes you nervous at some level to go, am I supposed to tell God I'm having fear? Am I supposed to express to him my disappointment? Am I supposed to do that? And there's a tension involved in your heart when you start considering what would that sound like coming out of my mouth? Because I'm struggling, Matt. I'm dealing with fears, Matt. I'm afraid about some things. I have some decisions. I don't know what to do. I, I thought my life was going to go this way. I thought this open door was going to go, was going to open here and it didn't. It closed and I'm disappointed and I'm sitting here with this. And are you telling me that I'm supposed to go to God and lay those at his feet? And that's exactly what I'm telling you. Because if you can't be open and honest with God, you may not have a real relationship with him. You might be saved and going to heaven. You believe in Jesus. But if you want to go to the deeper things, roots, deeper roots of mature relationship with God, you're going to have to be open and honest with him. The other way that, that David is open and honest in his relationship with God is in a way that we may not think, we may ever not think of, but David examples it for us. Number four, David, David celebrates victories. He celebrates victories by going back to God and celebrating them with him. Psalm 16, five through eight. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. 
Here's David going back through a, a, a great time. He, we've just seen in verse in chapters 11, 12, and 13 how he's got these questions. He's got these disappointments. He's full of fear. And then something happens, and he has a victory. And then in Psalm 16, he goes back and starts expressing all this gratitude towards God. And some of us, when we win or when that prayer is answered, we think, oh, man, that's awesome. But we don't take the time to stop and go back to God who's the one who answered the prayer. For those of you who are in this room who are nervous about talking to God that way, because in some area of your mind, you've been trained or you believed falsely that it's disrespectful. I want to break some, uh, some, some very captain obvious news to you. It's the next line in your notes. God already knows what you were thinking. God already knows what we're thinking. If he already knows what you're thinking, he already knows what you're struggling with, he already knows what your perspective is, why in the world will we not just go to him with it in the first place? I want to break a little bit of that cultural training, maybe some old religious church training in us to say, let's go to him with the open and honest struggle, question, disappointment, victory, fill in the blank. Let's go to him with it. If you're sitting here and you're going, Matt, man, when I think of prayer, I think, Almighty God, you're great. Yes, I know that you're out there and man, this is good. Uh, just help me. Amen. And then just you go on. I'm not mocking you. I'm saying there is a deeper level of relationship, a more mature relationship waiting on you. God wants to have as deep a relationship with you as he's had with anyone in human history. That is available to you. But we're going to have to start by being open, honest, and transparent with him. See, the culture, statistically, several weeks ago we talked about this, the culture believes, more than half of America believes, including believers, that God created the world and then left and went away and just left us to our own devices to figure it out. 26% of evangelical Christians, if I remember the statistic number correctly, don't believe God has any interest in your day-to-day -day life. That he just bailed. He created you and bounced. And so if that's your perspective, why in the world would David talk to a disinterested God about every single thing he was struggling with if he knew that it was false? David's uh, heart to come forward open, honest, and transparent with God is evidence, further evidence that God is interested in what's happening in your life. Why? Because he's got an assignment for you to complete. You are his ambassador. You are the light of the world carrying the message of the gospel. He has interest in you above all those things. You are his child. He's got interest in you. My first encouragement, my first group of people I want to encourage tonight are these. If you don't pray with that open, 
honest and transparent perspective with a heart, with a mind, with a, with a spirit, an attitude of openness to God, I want to encourage you to do so. Because when you do, uh, let me back up for a second. Um, when I was raised uh, by my parents, if I got caught doing something wrong, I would get the whoosh. My grandma's saying was, go pick me a switch. And one time I brought her back a piece of pine straw. And then she went and picked every switch from that point on. And that was a mistake. I should not have let her pick those big, large branches with those little thorns on them to give to correct my backside when I did something wrong. But because she wouldn't go pick them. I would get in trouble if I got caught doing something, but I got in less trouble if I came and admitted it. Because of that, there's some people who think that's how God deals with us. If I get there and admit it, I'm getting in trouble. Why do you want me to be open and admit these things to God if he already knows them? Because it is you expressing to him your dependency on him out of your mouth. I can't do this without you. I can't make it through here without you. He knows that. What he wants is for you to know that. And so that you will humble yourself and say, I'm not going to be able to navigate all this by myself. I need you. And if you've never looked at another person that you're in a relationship with in your life and said, I need you ever, that you're missing a depth of trust and relationship that you will not get unless you do. If you are someone who's nervous or you don't go to God with that transparency, it's a mere formality. You repeat the same thing over and over. I'm not bagging on you. I'm, I'm encouraging you. You're one of the people that God put on my heart, one of the groups of people that God put on my heart to say, hey, come honest and transparent and let's, develop a real relationship because the depth and the goodness of that relationship will revolutionize your life. Because when you have that much dependency, that much humility on the God who wants to direct every step for you, you're going to find a security and freedom in him that you're not going to get anywhere else. My first group of people I want to encourage are those who have not been honest in your prayer and talking to God. I want to encourage you tonight, be honest with him and watch what that does to your relationship with him. Psalm 139. How do you know that God already knows what's in my heart, what's in my mind? Let's go back to the words of David, Psalm 139, one through eight. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down and stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything I do, you know what I'm going to say, even before I say it, Lord, you go before me and follow me. Your, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If you go up to heaven, if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. 
He goes on throughout this this psalm to even say that uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in the dark or if I'm on the light. It doesn't matter. God sees equally in all of these places. He sees it all. And if he already knows what you're thinking, he already knows what you're feeling. Why not be honest enough about your dependency on him to go to him and be honest and watch what that does with your relationship with him? Next on your notes, David remembered the Lord. <clears throat> it would be, um, it would, it would be very um, easy to just stop right there in the message and talk about. It's hard, right? Life is disappointing. We got questions in life. Got to, there's some victories out there and we want to hang on to them, but man, there's a lot of stuff. And yes, David struggled too, and we're going to push through it. And the reality is that Christ promises us that we will have struggles. So we do not need to be surprised when struggles show up. But my next encouragement is for every single person who may be in that scenario, full of fear, full of questions, full of disappointments, or even a victory that you have waited for for so long that you're hanging on to because you don't want to lose that victory, that moment, because it's been, am I going to have another one? David does not stop at his fear, his disappointment, and his question. He doesn't stop. See, what I read to you was the beginning of those Psalms but I want you to see what David does when he remembers the Lord. So on your notes, I wrote number one continued. When David was in chapter 11 of Psalms talking about asking all his real questions, he asks his questions and then resolves here. Verse four of Psalms 11. But the Lord is in the holy temple. The Lord still rules from heaven right there. If you ever some kind of Pentecostal person that are charismatic, that wanted to shout, that's the spot to do it because the Lord is still in his holy temple. He still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely examining every person on earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds for the righteous Lord loves justice. The virtuous will see his face. Do you remember what his questions were? Why am I running out into the into the, to the, the caves to hide? Why am I being run off with all of these threats? Why am I being run off? Why is all this happening? And then he remembers the Lord. And at the end, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple and the Lord still rules from heaven. If you are someone who is struggling with real questions that you've been afraid to ask, or maybe you have asked, I'm here to remind you and encourage you that the Lord still rules from heaven. No matter how you feel, no matter how lost your heart might be, no matter how many unanswered questions you got, the Lord still rules from heaven. Number two. Number two continues. Psalms 12, 
David was talking about his disappointments, right? He was talking about the things that in his culture that were letting him down. He was watching uh, fellow Jews and Israelites lie to each other, right? Remember, he was looking around and seeing the disappointment that was, that was around him. But then he continues, verse 12, let's see what he continues on. The Lord replies, I have seen violence done to the helpless, and I have heard the groans of the poor. Now I will raise up to rescue them. And and they have longed for, as they have longed for me to do so. The Lord's promises are pure, like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. Therefore, Lord, we know you will protect the oppressed, preserving them forever from this lying generation. The disappointment that David sensed. He did not stay in his moment of disappointment. He went and then began to remember the Lord and remember who he was dealing with. The Lord's promises are pure. If you're in this room and you're someone who has dealt with disappointments recently or in the past or ones that you're carrying, I am here to remind you and encourage you the Lord's promises are pure. They are good. They have not stopped. He has not reneged on them. The Lord's promises are pure. Number three continued. Remember Psalms 13? David's talking about his fear, how he's afraid of what's going on around him. Verse five, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Even in the midst of his disappointment, David looked past his disappointment, remembered the Lord and said, I trust in his unfailing love. It doesn't matter that I'm disappointed. It doesn't matter that I've been let down by those around me. It doesn't matter that I see the culture spiraling out of control. It doesn't matter that I see um, all of this craziness going on and the environment that surrounds where I am at this moment. I trust in God's unfailing love. I rejoice because because he has rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David remembers the Lord. He remembers him. Number four continued, even in his victory. He was talking about how good God was when he protected him. He protected his land. He provided for him. And then he realizes all of that has happened. And now he's going to give credit where credit is due. Psalm 16, 9 through 11. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety for you will not leave my soul among the dead. Or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. The second group of people that I want to encourage here tonight are the people who say, I have been honest, Matt. I did go to God. I did tell him my fears. I did express my disappointment. I did ask all my questions. And as of yet, there's no response. There's no cure for the sadness that overwhelms me. There's no answer to the question that I have been asking. There is no, um, uh, the, the, the fear is still present. It hasn't dissipated. He hasn't made it go away. All of these things are still 
present here in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. I did exactly what you're telling me to do. I was honest to God. I went and I, and I poured that out before him and nothing has changed yet. My friends, I am asking you, if you're in that crew of people, to let the fear, the question, and the disappointment go. Do not hold on to it any longer. Because if we are demanding God to justify his actions to us, we look at him as he is a subordinate. He is under us. He is not under us. He still reigns supreme. He is still on his throne. His promises are pure. He has been good to me. He will not leave my soul in the grave. He has not abandoned us. If you don't have an answer to a question, follow him anyway. If your heart is sad with disappointment, follow him anyway. If you are consumed with fear, stand up, take his word, and walk forward anyway, because he is good. If you would look back on your life, if you would listen to the, the, to the testimony of people that are around you, of friends, of family members who gave their life to God, and he showed up big time for them, this is what I'm asking you to do, to remember who it is we're dealing with. Remember who it is that we are talking to. Remember who it is that we are bringing our problems to. Remember the Lord. Remember him. You are going to have to make a move in your life with unanswered questions. You are going to have to respond in faith and obedience to something he is directing you to do when your heart is sad with disappointment. You are going to have to push forward in the face of fear at some point in your life. He is going to call you to move forward. You're going to be afraid. You're going to be sad. You're going to have real questions. Leave those things at his feet and get up and follow him anyway. The second group of people that I am here that I feel strong to encourage tonight are those who have done this. They have opened and bared their honest heart before God, and there has not been any settling of the issue. Walk on and follow him in full faith anyway. How can I do that? Because I am telling you throughout scripture, if you don't know how good God has been to you, ask your wife, ask your husband, ask your friends. Have you ever seen God do something in my life? Have you ever heard me say something out of my mouth that has given him the credit and watched him say, are you kidding me? You, you had a job when there was no job to be had. When you were getting eviction notices on your apartment door, Matt, all of a sudden you didn't have those anymore because God provided X, Y, and Z. You couldn't get a job to save your life in the middle of the time when you moved back out here. And guess what happened? You went up to pray. And when you came back to pray, five jobs were sitting in your email inbox after you had 13 cents left to your name. I'm telling you, there has been some point in time where God has done something for you. And if he hasn't, that you have just missed it. Because my friend, the fact that you are saved, you are reconciled to God, going to heaven is the biggest thing that we should always remember. God has not left you. His promises are pure. Remember the Lord. The first group of people, be honest with God. It'll deepen your relationship. The second group of people, you have gone to God. You have been honest and there's no resolution as of yet. Remember the Lord and move on anyway. And the third group of people are the people who have gone to God in the past. They have been honest, but for some reason lately, you just haven't.
the first group of people are like, man, I need to explore this depth of relationship with God. The second group of people who are like, I've done this, I'm going to move on anyway. And the third group of people are those who you used to go to God. You used to make time for him. You used to invest in that relationship. You used to crack open that Bible a lot more than you do now. I'm not here to harp on you or tell you how bad you are. No, life happens. Someone gets sick. The job turns over. The, an unexpected thing in your family. I understand every bit of that. And so does the God you serve. But if you used to go to him and you haven't, this is the third group of people that I am encouraging here tonight. Remember the Lord. Remember how it was when you used to go sit there with him? Remember the peace that used to flood over your heart when you would spend time with him? Remember the, the clarity you had when you would read his word? Remember all of that? Remember the Lord. Because if you have not walked into that prayer spot, you have not bowed your head to do anything but pray over your meal or something like that, and you feel this, oh my gosh, what's he going to think? It's been months, it's been weeks, it's been years since I went back and I prayed. I've, I have done this my own self. I did this in the ministry. It's worse. Got so busy working that I neglected maintaining my own relationship with God. And I was, I dreaded it. I dreaded going back to that moment, but never once when I went into prayer and said, dear God, did I ever have God go, where have you been? He always goes, there you are. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. <clears throat> when you go, and you begin to express the honest and real things you're dealing with in your relationship with God, when you let those things that you are carrying because you were honest, you, you, you've been holding on to them, wanting God to justify what's going on in your life, and you let them go, when you go back to him because you have not been as consistent with him as you need to be, and it may have been a long period of time since you've ever just even talked to him, much less been open and honest. When you do that, and when you rightly put your heart, your mind, your spirit in the correct place with your God, what comes out of your mouth changes. We talked about David and what did he do? He was honest. He asked the questions. He expressed his disappointment. He, he brought his fears. He celebrated the victories, but he did all of that. But when everything lines up, the song changes. It's no longer woe is me. How bad do I have it? Look at this struggle. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to, to get over the hump. I'm not going to be able to deal with this any longer. How much longer is it going to be for me to, to, to struggle here? How much longer is it going to be for me to, to deal with this condition, with this ailment, whatever it is? When you 
go back to him, when you remember the Lord, the song changes. One of the most famous Psalms David wrote, he's no longer asking questions. Not because he's not going to or not being honest, it's because his questions have been answered. He's no longer dealing with the sadness of his heart for disappointment, not because there's been no disappointments, because he's went back to the one who can cure the disappointment. He has remembered the Lord in every scenario. And when that happens, we get to this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right path, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast before me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely goodness and un failing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When you remember exactly who it is you're dealing with, when you remember who it is that you are worshiping, when you remember who it is that you are serving, when you remember who it is that you are submitting to, all of a sudden what's inside of you begins to change. It may not be anymore that um, there may not be any more uh, uh, questions or the questions may shrink. There may not be so much disappointment or the disappointment may shrink because when you get in the presence of a God that is eternal and bigger than anything that you've ever struggled with, he sets it in a correct perspective for us. We walk in thinking big problem, can God help me? And you walk out of his presence with massive God and these problems are like grains of sand in his sight. So my encouragement for you is this, be honest with them. If you're not honest, be honest. Depth of relationship will cause you to remember him in ways and in times that you may not now. If you're whole, if you have been honest, you're holding on and won't let go. Don't demand he justify himself because we put him underneath us and he is not underneath us. Let it go and walk on with him anyways. Very, very rarely does God tell you what he's doing beforehand because faith is a front end ingredient. Walk on in faith and follow him anyway. Or if you're someone who has, it's been a while since you've approached God. That's that third group I'm talking to and want to encourage tonight. Remember the Lord. Remember him. Remember him. Matt, some of the stuff you presented to us tonight was kind of basic and elementary. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. And I struggled long enough to go, God, I want something that people walk out and be like, that was good. And then I realized in that moment, I may, I can make, I can ask God to do something to make you like what I said. Or I can be obedient and just ask you to do something simple. And that's what he asked me to do tonight. And that's the message I'm delivering to you is this is remember the Lord. It's simple. It is. But this knucklehead right here needed to hear it. My own self. Remember the Lord.